Welcome to another episode of the Creative on Purpose broadcast, conversations about finding fulfillment through more meaningful work. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Creative on Purpose, available on Amazon, or visit BeCreativeOnPurpose.com to get started with free chapters. Let's meet today's guest. Jeremy Steinkohler, welcome to the broadcast. Please tell us about a project that you're currently working on or excited about. Uh, hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. Um, there, there are a lot of projects I'm involved with right now uh, that I'm excited about, which is nice to have you know, such an abundance. But uh, the main one that I, is I just published a book called Finding the Groove, which is a collection of essays about uh, uh, drumming and teaching and performing and life, a little bit of parenting woven in, a little bit of baseball things like that. Um, but yeah, it's a collection of essays about uh, mostly sort of things that I had learned uh, through the course of my life as a professional drummer and educator that I wanted to share with, uh, uh, with the world. Um, um, you know, things that I, I learned from playing, from having gigs, from teaching that I wish that I had known when I was younger and that I thought would be of use to uh, to my students, to other students, to uh, musicians, to artists in general, uh, things about uh, pursuing your passion, about honing a practice, um, about surrounding yourself with other artists who help you grow, uh, all different kinds of you know, life lessons woven into it. Um, so yeah, it's called Finding the Groove. Um, and you can find out more about it at my website, which is jsteinkohler.com. That's J-S-T-E-I-N-K-O-L-E-R.com. Uh, and there you also find other links to all my other projects. I also run a, a, a school of rock and roll program called Bandworks. And we've been around since 1993 in the San Francisco Bay Area. We see about 1,200 kids and adults every year uh, in our rock band workshops and summer camp programs. And I also run a program called the East Bay Drum School, uh, where we have a, a, a group of uh, drum teachers organized in the Bay Area that, that share with each other and learn from each other. Uh, and then I have several different band projects that I'm involved with. Sounds like a musician's life. So I, there's not very many opportunities that I actually get a chance to speak to fellow musicians on this broadcast. Um, I have not been able to read all the way through your book, but I have looked through it. And I have shared it with my youngest son, who um, enjoyed it very, very much. What struck me from what I, what I gleaned from just um, thumbing through um, is that is something that I find with a lot of musicians who are also teachers and are involved in multiple projects and that music becomes kind of a filter through which we see everything. It's mm -hmm. a way, you know, it, it, it affects the way that we see our relationships. It affects the way that we approach work. It affects um, just our, our worldview. Again, just kind of, a, it becomes part of like, a part of our philosophy of life. Um, and I got the sense of, of that from just uh, looking through your book. Is that a, is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Um, I think that's, that's true. Although, you know, I could, I could easily imagine that uh, the same might be true for a painter or a dancer or an athlete uh, or even, you know, a plumber uh, or a computer programmer. Um, uh, I, it's funny. I think back at, uh, to uh, Great Expectations by Charles Dickens, which I read in college. And uh, there's a guy who's the, what is he, a, a blacksmith. And he talks about 
seeing life through the perspective of a blacksmith. And yeah, so I think whatever you're involved with, it doesn't really matter. You can learn all the, a lot of the same kinds of lessons, but certainly for me, um, those, uh, everything filters through music just about, um, and I, I wouldn't have it any other way, you know, I mean, I love it. And I, 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 you know, every day I think about it and I'm involved with it. I'm engaged with it and I'm talking about it and, or I'm playing, um, and it's it's a, a really great way to uh, it's the best way to connect with people for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so one of one of the things that I kind of lead with 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 my students, especially when they're just kind of onboarding with starting lessons with me, is that music is a language, and languages are used to connect, communicate, and collaborate. And if um, if you you're entering music. Uh, or if if music becomes something that is less collaborative and more co- competitive, you're kind of missing the point. And you're 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 taking. I mean, it's called playing music. We don't call it working music or competing music. Um, so what? Give me give me one one to three uh, lessons, life lessons that that can be derived from your experience as a musician or a drummer in particular. Sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll take one as a segue just from what you said there. There's actually an essay in the book about uh, uh, sort of, it, it's in quotes, uh, how to know if you're, quote, good. Um, and it's really a, a story about um, when I was younger, when I was in my 20, early 20s, I used to imagine myself, uh, you know, sort of, I was very concerned with where I stood in the pecking order of musicians, you know, of, of good, great players and um, I spent a lot of time worrying about, you know, quote, how good I was uh, and where I stood, you know, in the, in the landscape. And, you know, as I got older, I realized that that, you know, mattered absolutely zero. Um, and that what I was really after was making music that uh, sounded good and felt good to me and wasn't, you know, was enjoyable to play. And, you know, Duke Ellington said, if it sounds good and it feels good, it is good. And that's been, those have been sort of words to live by for me. And those that, you know, I try to pass that, that wisdom along to my students that, that really this is about, you know, uh, finding your own voice with your music um, and, you know, being the most you that you can be. Uh, and there are lessons like that, uh, that abound, you know, in, in musical stories. You know, if you read Miles Davis's autobiography, he talks about when he was a young player, he, he very much was trying to sound like Dizzy Gillespie. Uh, but it turned out he couldn't, you know, every night he'd come home distressed, you know, distressed because he couldn't play as high and as fast as Dizzy could. And, you know, a few people can, right? Uh, and, and then he figured out, oh, I, I really, why should I be trying to sound like Dizzy Gillespie? I should try to figure out who Miles Davis is. And sure enough, you know, he ended up being probably, you know, one of the most influential, well, certainly one of the most influential jazz musicians ever. Um, so I think that's really our, what we're after. You know, it's not to try to be like anybody else except to be like ourselves. And we absorb and we uh, cultivate and we filter from all these influences. But ultimately, you know, how we synthesize those things and what we bring to the table from our own life experiences and our own, uh, you know, inclinations and instincts is, you know, what makes us uh, who we are. And that's, that's what I try to pass on to my students is that, you know, that, that's really what you're after. And you, may, you might not be the fastest player you might not be the uh the next you don't want to be the next anything right you don't want to be the next elvin jones or the next max Roach or the next steve gadd you want to be the next whoever you are so that's yeah. A big, yeah well so there's there's several threads to pull on there the first i, I want to go all the way back to your first point about 
because we all do this as musicians. And I think creatives of any stripe do this is we are measuring ourselves against the quote unquote competition, our peers, um, or maybe even the expectations of the audience or heaven forbid the expectations of the critics. Um, don't do that by the way. Uh, so, um, and it's so easy, number one. So I, I just see that as a path to suffering because it's taking you out of your own experience and it's taking you away from the cultivating of the craft of creating yourself, as you were saying, uh, you know, finding your voice. So rather than one of the strategies that, that I try to teach is instead of measuring your, instead of setting, I mean, you should set your, you, you should aim at a goal. I mean, if you are wanting to um, be a great drummer or guitar player, you should set, you know, set a, a goal in the future of, you know, where you envision yourself being or, or you know, how, how you want to play. But rather than measure yourself against everybody else that maybe is on that same path, find the next thing that you need to do. Mm -hmm. In other words, instead of setting the bar all the way to the top, where and with no possibility of of leaping over it, um, set the bar as low as you can possibly go, but higher than where you are now. Right. So, right. You know, if if it's learning your major scales in five or seven positions on the guitar, right. that's the next step. That's achievable, and you then set up this idea of you know practice doesn't make perfect, but practice does make progress, and if you are intentional and thoughtful about your progression not only will you get better and eventually reach you know goals that you set that are in the future but you'll have like this experience of thriving and joy yeah as you so, go along well said um there, there are other i mean this this really uh taps into a number of different essays that are in the book um there's one that's uh called work the importance of working on one thing at a time uh, you know, and we're all so hungry to absorb the next thing and to get to the next level and to get through the book and to get through the series of exercises that we end up moving too quickly and not mastering the thing that we're working on. And then, uh, you know, I tell the story, and maybe I can't remember if this story is in the book or not, but in the, the rock band workshops that I teach, there was a kid several years ago who was about 12 years old and really good player and uh, but was having trouble with some, he was a drummer, he was having trouble with some figure. And I suggested that he uh, check out this book that had all sorts of exercises that could be helpful to him to be able to do that kind of thing better. And he said, Oh, I've already been through that book. And I said, really? Wow. Well, so that, that's pretty impressive. And he said, so, so in theory, if I open that book and pointed to any of these, these patterns, you could, you could play them. And he said, well, yeah, because you've been, because you've been through it. And so I opened the book and pointed to a, you know, relatively difficult pattern and he couldn't play it. And it was a lesson in, you know, uh, I mean, you can go through all the books and all the exercises and all the, you know, whatever uh, that you want, but if you don't master it, if you're not really present and, and, and uh, you know, really absorbing it properly and practicing it effectively, it, it doesn't really do so much good. And our practice time is at such a premium, you know, especially once you get out of school and you've got responsibilities of paying rent and a job and um, eventually kids, maybe, you know, uh, you better use your practice time effectively. So there's really, there's a whole section of the book devoted to how to practice effectively. Uh, it mainly has to do with going slow uh, and and working on one thing at a time and listening to the signals that your body gives you when you're learning, that how it's learning, you know, and letting go of the ego. That's a big part of it. Um, 
just that idea of presence too, I think is really essential because what, what you just described, I see it all the time, um, especially um, amongst like my students that are young ladies is that, you know, they, um, and it's a cultural thing that, that they've learned. It's like, they want to, they want to know what the rules are. They want to play that game very, very, very well. And then they want you to recognize, you know, they, and who doesn't want that, right? Everybody wants to be recognized for doing what they were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the way the public school system has been set up for a century, but again, just culturally, it seems to be a have um, something that affects my young lady students um, more often. And so I find them sometimes wanting to like move through a method book at an accelerated pace just to do it, just to be accelerated as opposed to actually, bless you, learning the material. And so what I'm always telling all of my students is, you know, when you are practicing, you meet, you need to be practicing you need to be there you need to be present and mindful and intentional and you know you you should be i I think it's it's apropos that we call it practice because it's very much like a meditation practice or a yoga you in order to have the effect that you seek you need to actually be present in the here and now not attached to the outcomes that you're hoping for and not bemoaning all the the things about your past that have impeded your progress to this point. That's right. That's right. Right. Some of them conscious and some of them unconscious. Yes. um, uh, You know, you're, you're, there's a chapter about this in the book as well. Most of the time when you're practicing, you're not supposed to sound good. Practicing means learning something new that you don't already know. And that's one of the the pitfalls that I find a lot of my students uh, uh, face is that uh, they want to practice the things that they sound good at, which is, you know, that by itself isn't bad, but if if that's all you do, you're limiting, you know, what you learn. Um, Well, that, and that actually ties into the other thing I wanted to say about your opening, uh, your, your opening answer when you were talking about Miles Davis. I've actually written about this and it's one of my earliest blog posts is, you know, the story like Miles Davis and the creative process. Miles Davis, you know, admitted, admittedly wanted to be Dizzy Gillespie. He wanted to play fast and he wanted to play in a very technically precise way because he idolized Dizzy. I mean, who doesn't? Dizzy was uh, a great player and a great human being and a real solid entertainer. I mean, just, you know, he was an all around musician uh, and at the, at the top of the heap. Um, And, but what miles, the the place that he came to was that, you know, he finally realized that, he was chasing somebody else's sound and not chasing his own sound. And instead of then it's, it's almost in a way I, I call it playing t- to your weaknesses, but it's um, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, that can be misleading, but basically right. somebody like Miles Davis is not programmed and not physiologically right. ready or, you know, it's not, that's not the easy path. Exactly. He's not equipped to be that kind of player. So instead of focusing on all the things that he doesn't do well, he decides to play, you know, dynamically, very softly. He uses phrasing and silence exquisitely Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, develops a sound that is as identifiable 
as Dizzy Gillespie's, completely different, and you know, composed the composed and recorded the you know most popular, if not the greatest, jazz album um, to date um, right. in terms of uh, kind of blue. Um, so, and and you can I, I think of people like Billy Holiday, uh, Billy Holiday being a vocalist with a very limited range. Um, who concentrated on delivery and kind of um, her articulation and her phrasing. Yeah. Frank Sinatra is the same way. Right. Bob Dylan, Neil Young. I mean, there's all I was sorts just, of... He, was, he, he just came to mind when you were talking, right? I mean, not by any stretch considered a, a, a quote, good singer, right? Not a very mellifluous voice, uh, no no vocal technique, no purity and, and, and you know resonance in his sound, but... Uh, you know, a transcendent songwriter, and he, he didn't need to be a trained vocalist to or guitar player to, to to say what he had to say. And boy, was what he had to say important. Yeah. Well, and just the, and and, the, and another lesson there, you know, and uh, I think Miles is a great example because, um, and Bob Dylan would be too because Bob Dylan really started off kind of wanting to be Dave Van Ronk and Ramblin' um, mm-hmm. Jack Elliott. That's I mean, he literally dressed just like Ramblin' Jack Elliott at the beginning. Um, but at some point they, they decide, they, they, they decide to plant their flag in, you know, on their own turf and say, I'm going to stand up and, and speak my truth now. And I'm going to be unabashedly and unapologetically me. Right. And with the full knowledge that it's not going to be for everybody and knowing that it doesn't, it shouldn't be for everybody. Cause otherwise it's, you know, you're you're chasing a different a different set of dreams that is again not the path to happiness because you're going to be attached to critical acclaim and fame and fortune and all those things instead of being an artist in the truest sense of the word. Yes, right. You know, and and just to say, like, there's nothing wrong with with being influenced, and there's nothing wrong with uh, absorbing and uh, you know cultivating artistic influence from from various sources. You know, athletes do it. They they watch each other and they break down tape to, to learn how to, how, you know, to, to pick up new moves. Uh, musicians do it. We listen to uh, our favorite musicians and we transcribe and we learn their solos sometimes. And, uh, uh, you know, I imagine it happens to other disciplines as well. Uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with getting your butt kicked. You know, I mean, sometimes that can be a great motivator when you go and, you know, you realize you don't, you're not where you want to be and someone else plays better than you or whatever it is. But, uh, again, you know, you, you re- I think the, the important thing is to keep your eye on the prize. And that's about, you know, developing your own, figuring out who you want. It's it, it, who, figuring out who you want to be in the world with what you do, with what your with your passion. And if it's music, you know, um, figuring out what it is you want to say and how it is you want to connect with people and how, you know, uh, to ultimately to hopefully inspire people. To me, that's that's really what what you're after. Uh, and it doesn't matter what style of music you play. It doesn't matter what instrument you play or, or, or even necessarily how you play it. I mean, if I think about, you know, the, all the you know, thousands of, of albums that I have and who I listen to. And, you know, it's, it's not mostly the most technically accomplished musicians. I mean, there's some of that. Um, but, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, there's a great example. There's a great uh, uh there's a like a modern drummer festival they had one time where they had these three drummers doing a, a drum battle, you know, and it was uh, drum solos with Steve Gadd, uh, who's probably been on more recordings in the 20th century than just about any other drummer. 
except maybe J.R. Robinson. And uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Terry Basio, who's a, a technical master, really just unsurpassed with his chops. And uh, I can't remember the last, I think it was Vinny Caliuta, also sort of a, a really muscular player. And they each took a solo and Basio went and just destroyed it. And Vinny Caliuta played and, you know, played this crazy thing. And then it was Steve Gadd's turn. And he, he, looked with this, he looked at the audience with a smile on his face, like, yeah, right, as if I could do that, right? So I'm just going to do what I do. And he went and played the solo. It was much, much, much simpler, had way more space, really interesting phrasing. And people went crazy for it because it was him. And he realized, well, if I try to keep up with those guys, there's just no way. So this just comes back to the same, the same thing we, you know, the main thread we've been talking about today, which is, you know, your, your goal is just to figure out who you are and what you want to say. Well, and also, I, well, I don't know how, how you feel about this, but I, oftentimes I feel as a teacher that, you know, a good deal of what what goes on in, in, in the lesson is psychological and philosophical as opposed to, um, you know, dots and stems and, and staffs. Right. And, um, you know, that story you just told is a great example of somebody um, being, having the courage Mm-hmm. to to be themselves and i think that uh you know when i kind of opened up with the idea that music is a language and languages are used to communicate and collaborate um it takes so the enemies of curiosity and courage which are the things that are necessary if you're going to make progress in any in any domain in any with with any craft um, the enemies of those of curiosity and courage are certainty and confidence mm. and you know com you know, and I don't mean confidence in the sense of, you know, knowing that you're, you're good enough for the gig and therefore, you know, getting the gig, I mean, more overconfidence uh, or, or false confidence. And mm-hmm. you see a lot of that. Um, and again, all creative domains, but I think in music in particular, there, there, there can be, uh, especially what I call the messy middle, you know, there's the guys at the very top tend to be pretty good guys, I find, you know, because right. They're there. <laughs> well, I think they don't. They don't really care so much about all this stuff, right? But in the middle, where there's a, a lot more competition and a lot less money, yeah. um, there's a little bit more posturing, a little bit more maybe sniping and bad mouthing and bitter, jaded old guys like me, you know, that that are sniping at the young whippersnappers coming up and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But if we um, if we can shed all that certainty and confidence, and instead. Uh, something I've worked really hard at in because I've been doing this for about 35 years is like, I call it maintaining the bubble. Like I want to continue, even if I'm going to the same crappy bar gig I've been doing for 10 years, I want to go in there with the the same gratitude and wonder that yeah. I had when I first got the gig. Yeah. When I thought it was a gig that was actually like beyond my, you know, my reach. Right. Right. That's nice. I, I like that. I mean, you know, we're just, we're just animals here for a short time and we've figured out a way to, you know, uh, you know, we, we've decided to spend our a good amount of our time uh, pursuing this, this endeavor, this really unique, that's very, very specific and very modern. Uh, yours involves strings on a, you know, across a fretboard and a resonating chamber. Mine involves hitting things with sticks um, and, uh, you know, 
the rest is kind of bullshit in a way. I mean, you know, you're really just there to play, to enjoy the playing. And, and if you're doing it well, I think, you know, sort of under the, under the best circumstances, inspiring, inspiring other people. Uh, and, and to me, that's sort of the highest compliment that you can receive, you know, or the highest sort of uh, order of magnitude of what can happen from your art is that you inspire other people in one way or another. Um, and, you know, if you come to that gig, that bar gig that you've been playing for 15 years and like you're ma- and you're mailing it in because you've been you're tired of it and this gig sucks and you're only making 50 bucks and, you know, um, and your, your, your playing is going to reflect that, I think. And, you uh, you know, that, that's going to lead, that's, that's, that's an, an energy that you're putting out there to the other musicians you're playing with, to the audience. And, you know, they may not know it consciously, but they, they perceive it, I think, on some level. And when you get up there and you're, and you're playing and you're playing like you love your playing and you're, you're playing like you're feeling inspired, then people walk away with that. Uh, and I, you know, it's, it's not easy to do, I, I you know, I'm not, I'm, I, I have to, I've faced the same challenge myself playing those same old bar gigs, which I still play. Um, but I think, you know, it's an opportunity, how fortunate we are to be able to do what we love, uh, you know, whether it's for 50 bucks or 500 or 5,000. Um, that's not really ultimately what makes the gig worthwhile or not. I mean, money's great, but, um, you know, you can be making $5,000 playing for 50,000 people and be absolutely miserable. Yeah. I've had that gig too. And, and sure. I have friends who have, and, you know, not, not 50, but I played for five. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it's it, it you know uh, you have to be careful of to, about letting the external validating uh, factors have you know too big an impact on your motivation and your artistic integrity. Yeah, well, and and remembering what it's again coming back to the idea of what it what it's really for, and it's not about. Um, I, I don't even think it's necessarily ultimately about you expressing yourself. The collaboration happens on stage between musicians and it happens back and forth. Um, you know, that um, example you gave of Steve Gadd at the um, German competition, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't win because he played the most technically advanced drum solo. He won because he made a connection with the audience and he played something for that. He played something that reflected him, but he played it for others. And that's, you know, this idea of music being like this gift that is meant to be, you know, kind of unselfishly and generously shared for the purposes of creating connection and celebration and, and, and all those things. Yes. I mean, just to be clear, it wasn't a competition or I mean, he didn't win it. It was just a sort of showcase, but um, it, it's the point's still the same. And, uh, you know, there are, I mean, certainly when you're performing as a solo musician, like a pianist or a guitarist, you know, uh, it, there, there's not a collaborative, I mean, there's no collaboration with other musicians, obviously, and you're just sort of being your expressive, authentic self or whatever. Uh, but as soon as you play with other people, that's, that's a different thing. Um, and there, there's a lot, you know, I, I remember when I was, uh, when I was younger, most of the time when I was playing, I was pretty much focused on my own playing. I was listening to myself more than I was listening to the other musicians. And I was thinking about what I was doing and how impressive it was or wasn't. And, uh, you know, oh, oh, there's somebody in the audience I want to be sure to impress. You know, um, and uh, now as as an older player, uh, more experienced player, I, I feel like when I play with other musicians who are in that space, I can hear it a mile away. You know, solipsistic or selfish, self-centered playing, and um, uh, it's it's I have no interest in it. 
you know, that's not what I'm there to do. And so, uh, you know, I just, I, I, but I was there once too. So I have, I have compassion, you know, oh, for yeah. everyone that's, that's still struggling with that stuff. Um, uh, let's, and, uh, go ahead, finish your point. And, and, you know, and, and, and there's certain, there certainly may be times when those thoughts may float through my mind, but I'm much more adept at catching them now and, and letting them, okay, I, I caught that, let that go. And then get back to focusing yeah. on being present. Yeah, I always try to remind myself uh, when I was coming up, um, it was in a very competitive scene in Charleston, South Carolina. And I was, um, you know, hired most, uh, I was not the best guitar player, not the best singer, not the best front man, but I could do all the, all of those things to, with some facility. And But the reason why I got most of my work was just because I, I was easy to be around and, and, you know, I was, I was a good hang and, um, but I was aware of all the old bitter jaded guys that have been around for a while that were just, you know, really unhappy and kind of mean spirited. I I would always say, just don't become one of those guys. And I remember about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, catching myself like, Ooh, you're sounding an awful lot like a guy that you said that you would never be. And it was a profound moment for me because Mm -hmm. I was able to just flip the switch. So that last point that you made, I think is, is a great one for us to end on this idea. Winston, Winton Marsalis talks about the bandstand as being like the ultimate democratic crucible that Mm -hmm. you, you are up there trying to um, explore the freedom, your freedom to be yourself, but at the same time, you are charged with helping other people be themselves, you right. know, and so you, you have to, in the act of enhancing your own well-being, you must also be enhancing the well-being of others, and it's a, it's a difficult dance, but it's when it, uh, you know, when everybody is working at it, when everybody is in the groove, uh, yeah. that, it, that it really works. Well, I, I think that when when you're doing it for yourself, you are sharing it with other people, sort of by definition. It's like by example. Let me show you by example how to be really deep in paying attention and, and focused and not playing from ego, but playing from my heart or, you know, uh, without artifice, without, you know, trying to impress. Uh, and then it's like, a, it's almost like a reminder to the other folks you're playing with. Like, oh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, when you're playing with really great experienced players, that's sort of where they they go to you know, instinctively and the music, you know, reflects it. But uh, I think that's true. I think what Winton said is true. Uh, and, you know, the, 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 all the greater the power of the music, if you're all doing that together on stage, you know, that's when the best stuff happens for sure. Absolutely. Well, Jeremy Steinko, really great to um, be speaking with you. Before I let you go, please um, remind everybody about the title of the book, where they can find the book and where they can connect with you beyond this broadcast. Sure. Um, the book is called Finding the Groove. Um, the subtitle is uh, Lessons from a Life in Drumming, Teaching, and Performing. And you can find the physical copies on Amazon. Uh, and the digital version is published by Hudson Music. Uh, and you can go to their website, hudsonmusic.com, and uh, download the ebook there. Um, you can find out more about me and my projects at my, my personal website, which is jsteinkohler.com. It's J S T E I N K O L E R.com. Uh, I also have a group called Mofone, which is a trio of two saxophones and drums. That's M-O-F-O-N-E dot net. Um, and a school of rock and roll program that I run with my friend Steve Gibson is called Bandworks. And you can find out more about that at bandworks.com. 
Well, fantastic. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. If you're still with us, we appreciate your time and attention. Please connect with Jerry Steinkohler at his website, jsteinkohler.com. And it's always good to hear from you at becreativeonpurpose.com. Now, remember the words of Epictetus, learning that does not lead to action is useless. So take what you've learned here today and go out there and share your best work with those that need it. It really matters. Jeremy Steinkohler, thanks so much for your generosity and being here and for all the great work that you do. Thanks so much, Scott. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're still with us, we really appreciate your time and attention. Please connect with our guests wherever they live online. And it's always good to hear from you at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Now, remember the words of Epictetus. Learning that does not lead to action is useless. So go out there and share your best work with those that need it. It really matters.